the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Bob Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones on mass. Getting on my leader around to the end of the game. The Bob Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Buff Podcast. My name's Mark Isles and I'm the chief football writer of the Bolton News. If you're struggling in the heat, then we have got the perfect show for you because this is the Bolton Wanderers podcast that stays so chilled that you'll actually feel cooler for listening to it. Grab yourself a calippo, roll up your trouser legs to the calves, fill up the kids' paddling pool. We've got some news to talk about. And on your sun-kissed buff this week, it's transfer gossip galore. We take a look at some of the names in the frame. An official tribute to Auntie Sharon. The buff talks to Ricardo Santos, Gethin Jones and George Johnson to find out exactly what makes her so special. Bod Varson's on board, but can the Iceman stay fit? And we welcome back some old friends with a special mystery guest. All on the podcast that left the window open a crack just to get some blow through. So, Dave Falgate with a long kick forward. Up goes Elliot. Oh, unlucky. Just trying to find John Thomas. And Bullock. Savage. Thomas, now JT. Two goals. Oh, yes, it's JT. Yes! What a superb goal! He's done it! He promised me two and he's got two. Well done, JT. The lad, John. He's got the two goals. Yeah, well done, John. Brilliant. <laughs> ah, British summertime, you cannot beat it. Uh, and this week, we finally started to see a few names emerge on the old rumour mill. Maybe get a better idea of what Ian Everett and Chris Marker have got in store this summer. More on that in greater detail a bit later. Uh, but if you want to keep abreast of absolutely everything this summer, then might I recommend a subscription to the Bolton News. Our June flash sale gives you three months of unlimited articles for just £3. You don't have to worry about all the horrible ads and the pop-ups. You get to read all the Bolton Wanderers analysis and the features that go behind the paywall. And as a special treat, we've also come up with a brand new podcast which will be starting next week. It's called Stop Press, Bolton Wanderers in the 90s, and it's a perfect time capsule which takes you back to a decade when football shirt sleeves were baggier, halftime music was just better. I mean, what wasn't better in the 90s um, except Manchester City, potentially? But uh, yeah, each week we'll be highlighting a particular game in the decade and inviting two guests to chat away to their heart's content about what it was like to be a Bolton Wanderers back then. The full series will only be available to subscribers of the Bolton News. It won't be on Spotify, it won't be on Google or Apple for downloads. It will simply be for those who subscribe to the paper. So if you want to have a listen, then go to theboltonnews.co.uk backslash subscribe three pounds for three months okay with Henry still away on his round the world hot air balloon trip or wherever he's doing and it's up to me to tackle your emails on my lonesome I suppose so take it away Phil is that Philip Moresh Chili. 
Phil Moraes, of course, one of the players who's down to play in the Legends game being organised by the Bolton Wanderers Remembrance Group. And that'll take place on Saturday, June the 24th at Atherton Coles Football Club. Uh, the doors open at 12 o'clock, kick-off at 3 o'clock. Loads of stuff planned there, loads of events and stuff for the family and the, for the kids and such like. So get yourself down there. Promises to be a great day. Um, right, okay, into your emails. There's been loads coming through after my appeal last week to keep me company. Happy days. Uh, hi, Mark. This one's from Sean. Just listening to the time-wasting discussion on the podcast and thought about what if they introduced a green card like they do in Rugby League. If a referee decides that a player wasting time is pretending to be injured, they get a green card, which means two minutes off the pitch. I believe over time they'd really stamp this out, uh, but I agree it's something that needs to be done because some of the antics last season were horrific. Sean, 100% agree with you. 100%. Green card sounds like a perfect uh, deterrent to me. It will never happen, though. It will never happen because it would have to. It would have to be agreed at kind of like world FIFA level, and I don't see them doing anything um, to uh, to to go go that far to stamp it out. Yeah, I, I mean, I, ultimately, and I said said this last week, players are always going to find a way. They'll always find a way of, of bending the rules, and at the minute, this the time wasting has has reached a crescendo. So they will they'll try and kind of phase out this multi ball thing is coming in. Of course, um, they've stopped towels around the pitch and all that sort of stuff. But they'll find other ways. There's always ways on the pitch, uh, and and you know, Bolton Wanderers have been just as bad as anybody else down the years. I remember Yussi Askelainen being the absolute prince of the dark arts. Whenever he needed to waste a few time, a few moments time, he was brilliant at it. Um, but do I see the authorities going as far as to say, oh, I'm going to start introducing Simbins for it? As much as I think the green card would be useful in the game, I just, I just can't see it happening. I can't see him going that far. Um, I would like to see a minimum amount of time i would like to see the timekeeping actually another thing that happens in rugby league is is that the timekeeping is actually out of the referee's control so when the hooter goes then the referee can obviously decide when the last uh, the last players um i would like that to be taken out of the hands of the person who's running about and having to make a million other decisions so if they know there's x amount of uh, injury time then that obviously comes up on the uh, on the board and is decided from sort of an outside source um, whether or not you could apply that across the game, all the levels, that's where it starts becoming complicated because you need to get, you need something that's going to be enforced whether you're playing, you know, Conference North level or whether you're playing in the Premier League. So, yeah, not an easy one. Keep uh, keep your solutions coming, though. I think that is one of the better ones. I think the, the Sinbin idea is, is a good one, um, but I just, I'm not sure it would necessarily get the thumbs up. This one is from Chris. And he says, hi, Mark. I enjoyed the pod last week with Derek Clark as the guest co-host. Hope he's back in the commentary box next season when all this Wanderers TV thing kicks off. If I read right, Neil Hart said we fans would have to pay £5 or £6 per month to listen to interviews with the manager and players this, uh, this season. Uh, this on top of paying for season tickets, merchandise and everything else. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on it. When do you think it would impact your job covering the club? Brackets, would they stop the press talking to players because they would make money out of doing so? Keep up the good work, says Chris. Um, an interesting point you raise. I don't think that, uh, the, that the access to players 
um, which has changed over the years. I mean, I have to say, even in, in my time doing it, I've been doing it 15, 16 years as, as chief football writer, I think now, if my math is right, something like that. Um, the access to players has has always been fairly limited compared to, uh, to to some clubs, I think, at Bolton. It's... I had kind of peak, peaks and troughs. We're in, a, we're in a good spell now. I think they do okay to, to maybe put a player up before every game and, and after every game. Um, I think what the club are suggesting, that they would go over and above that, and that, that you'd get a lot more training ground stuff, um, a la the old Wanderers TV, if you remember in Sam Allardyce's time, where Pete Smith used to be down at the training ground every other day, and you'd be getting a bit more. Um, I think that's what they're suggesting. Whether or not it is worth the extra outlay is entirely down to you. I mean, that's up to Bolton, obviously, to make it so, isn't it? That's the same with any subscription. You heard me at the top asking about subscription to the Bolton News. You know, I feel a, a personal obligation to try and get content or create content that keeps people thinking, well, this was worth me paying the money. I don't think it was it is good enough to say, well, listen, we just want you to pay for this. Um, I think you have to give people value for money, and I think that that falls onto to Bolton's lap really to get creative and to to bring stuff that that people are going to want to listen to and to subscribe to. And there's loads of different ways of doing that, and they they you know their video side of things with Marcus and and uh, etc has been excellent, and uh, I think that side of the club has really improved over the last few years. Uh, the presentation, if you will, is, is excellent. So I, I'm backing them to probably make it worth the while. I, I probably, I'll be subscribing. I'll be subscribing because I, I want to keep my eye out on, on what's going on. But um, it's it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I mean, nothing gets cheaper, does it? Uh, I get what you're saying. You know, the, the fans have backed the, the club very, very impressively as far as the season tickets go and merchandise and all that sort of stuff. Um, it nothing gets cheaper, nothing gets cheaper. But um, yeah, it is very much down on the club to to make sure that that subscription is is worth it, and I'm sure they they appreciate that. Okay, uh, and also thank you very much for uh, for inflating Derek Clark's ego as well. I'm sure he'll uh, he'll enjoy that one. Um, last one, last email from Luke. He says, uh, we're now getting to the exciting time of year where more and more rumours are appearing. The last few days, especially with links to Dabo, Norburn, Savin and the others. Don't Spoil alert, we're going to be talking about that later, Luke. But he says, one thing that's got me thinking again is the loan market. Um, after very successful loans with Trafford and Bradley and not so successful ones such as Scholar and Mbete, I wonder where we stand with these clubs. Is there any talk of the likes of City, Liverpool, United with regards to taking on more talent? One thing I'm sure of is that Liverpool's change to their loan management could affect our future dealings. Now, yeah, of course, their loan manager changed during the time that Conor Bradley came over. They've got different people in charge of that thing now. But I think, I think honestly, the relationships are still very good. I think certainly with Manchester City, nothing's changed there. I think they were incredibly impressed with the work that the club had done with James Trafford. And, 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 and equally, I'm sure that Manchester United appreciated, I know Shola Shortire didn't have the best time at Bolton, but he, he, you know, he will have appreciated the game time he got. Um, I think Bolton's reputation with the, uh, you know, the, the top clubs, if you will, at the moment is as good as it has been for, for some time, if not ever, really. Um, the brand of football, I think, is the key thing because, you know, 
teams play loads of different types of ways. I don't really care, honestly, if it, as long as it's winning football, um, whether or not you make 34 passes or two passes to score a goal. doesn't really concern me too much. Um, I'd rather just see winning football. Um, obviously, at Bolton Wanderers, we've seen both kind of ends of the spectrum. At the moment, I enjoy watching Bolton play. I appreciate there are uh, there are limitations sometimes to the way they play and there are huge advantages to the way they play. But one of the big advantages is that it's very similar to the top clubs and the way that the, the, the kind of trend, the fashion is, is, is happening at the very top end of the game. One of the things that Ian Everett says quite regularly is that he's trying to implement this football so that it can uh, exist at championship level and beyond. So the further up the scale you go, the less likely it is that you're going to have successful direct football. You're going to be, have to be playing this kind of more expansive brand. You have to be comfortable on the ball, etc., etc. Um, so the fact that they can send younger players down and know that they're going to be playing the right way, uh, trademark, um, is is quite a, a big advantage and i think that will continue to be the case one of the loans i expect them to see again will be dan and Lundlu. i do think they are they are looking into that whether or not dan can sign on a permanent deal i'm not too sure it was all kind of up in the air the last time i spoke to him uh, with regards to his situation at southampton them coming down into the championship is also a you know makes it slightly different because you'll have a new you have new management you have different expectations on players he may have uh, the access to more game time theoretically um but but i think bolton will revisit it because i do think that ian Everett did fancy working with um and Lundley further um as to whether or not we see another james trafford or another connor bradley do you know my gut feeling is no my gut feeling is it was almost being teed up towards the end of last season that there wasn't uh, a ready-made Trafford or a ready-made Bradley in the Liverpool or the City ranks or the United ranks. So um, I don't think they will be kind of plan A this time. I think some of the players you've mentioned and some of the ones we'll be going into later on, they will be the plan A. Um, there may be loans around the outside to kind of fill in gaps, but I, I just get the feeling that they're going to be looking to build a team which plays in the championship this season and not necessarily gambling on having players back. But, um, you know, things shift, things move, and I've been known to be wrong before, so we will see. Um, but uh, that's that's the way I look at it at the moment. Uh, thanks very much to anybody who's sending in emails. Um, we read every single one of them, and I try and answer, even those that don't get onto the podcast, I try and send you, a, send you an answer back. So keep them coming in. This is how to get in touch. Okay, so I promised you some Sharon Britton content, and my word, I am a man of my word. So I'm sure a lot of you will have read the interview she gave to the EFL magazine this week, talking about the journey so far and, and how she's tried to run things sustainably, ambitious plans for the future, automatic promotion, yada, yada, yada. And from what I've gathered on social media, people do like the cut of a jib. Um, so that's, you know, from, from me on the outside looking in, it's very easy to be impressed, and I'm very impressed with the job she's done as chairman since she came in. Football Ventures have stabilised things. She's put an acceptable face on Bolton Wanderers. She treats people really well. 
you know, and ultimately she's paying the bills. So all that is a one giant leap compared to the last guy, which we won't mention. Um, but what about the people that work more closely with her? In particular, the players. Now, we all know what happened under the last ownership. We all know the relationship that the players um, did or didn't have with the, the people in the boardroom. Um, but I had a chat with some of the the characters behind the scenes. Um, I've spoken to Ricardo Santos, spoke to Gethin Jones and George Johnson about how different it is with a chairman like Sharon Britton. Um, and I think this probably says as much as anything else, really. So just have a listen. Yeah, well, I've never kind of had a relationship with an owner at another football club. So, yeah, she's been massive for the players. You know, she's always she's always got an ear for you and she'll always listen to you. And um, she's just been massive, massively supportive for us this season and we can't thank her enough. Yeah, because it, it's... I, mean, I suppose it's quite easy if, you, if you're running a club to sit in the boardroom, have that detachment because there's big decisions that have to be made quite a lot, but she seems to have... You know the ear of the players. Of course, she's very proactive with us, which you know, as I said, we can't thank her enough for. And you know, having that trust and backing from her, you know, it just gives us you know an extra few percent and incentive to do well. Honestly, I can't speak any highly of Sharon, the whole, all the management staff, um, the ownership, the CEO, everyone. They they've been absolutely brilliant at this football club, and I've been at previous clubs where I've never even met the owner. Mm. Um, Sharon's been in in contact with myself, I know with a lot of other lads um, during our times here and obviously with everything that I had going on with family, with my mum mm. and stuff, she's still in contact with my dad, mm. checking up on my dad and um, sometimes my dad says, oh I spoke to Sharon yesterday and I, I didn't <laughs> even know any, anything about it. So. Nah, she's honestly, she's unbelievable and um, there's a real close relationship between players and the, the ownerships here. So that obviously it breeds well into the football players and mm. it, it breeds well for us to go and do the job on match days for them. That, that's it, kind of, it, from the outside in, looking in, you might not realise it, but she does generally care. And that does have an effect on the, the team as a whole in the yeah, dressing room. Yeah, definitely. Um, like when you see how much she cares and how much she she looks after us as football players mm. on and off the pitch, um, you want to give something back to them. Mm. So when we won the obviously the Papa John's final at Wembley and when we walked up um, to lift the trophy up and we got to see Sharon and the big smile on her mm. face and seeing Ollie and Toby up there with Sharon and nah, it, it was amazing just to see the big smiles on their face. few of the lads in the last few weeks um, uh, about uh, Sharon and the impact she's had on the club and, and what she's done sort of for for the lads and, and, and the relationships there. Um, obviously you've been in from the start mm. and we've got to know her well. Is, is she different to any of the other chairman owners that you've you've come across? Has she got oh, a yeah, different 100%, way? 100% she's more, yeah. she's obviously a big part of this football and stuff but she's more, she does a lot outside mm. and if you've got any problems like even when I, when I was in hospital, she was texting me every single day, mm. um, checking up with my missus and my kids and stuff. Yeah, she's a she's a big part. She, you can speak to her whenever. Um, I've had chairmen, and I would even think about twice to to even message them or speak to them, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. But um, yeah, she that 
she don't I don't think she she wants to seem like she's this big powerful person if you get what I'm trying to say she's yeah, just like yeah. Yeah. the person the same human being at the same time and she disrespects everyone and anything you need you can speak to mm. so it's just amazing to have you because generally speaking the owner of the club mm. as you know within his or her power to yeah of course yeah. sack people yeah. you know, contracts yeah. this contracts that and and it's you know it's a very different relationship yeah. you've got it yeah it must be difficult because also i suppose that also has you kind of the personal relationships you've got yeah. you still have to make those big decisions yeah of course yeah but from a player's point of view being approachable must be really really useful. yeah she could be probably the nicest person i've i've come across in football to be fair um mm. and yeah and this and everyone says the same thing it's mm. not this some people it's like it's not fake like you not just yeah. one day she's like this one it's just throughout since i've been here she's been the same and yeah, it's just amazing type of person to have. Use the form a few more Sharon's couldn't we really? Yeah, that'd be quite nice. Yeah, yeah. No, but I see what she's building. She's trying to build, trying to get the club back to be like a family club, and yeah. And obviously, you see with the fans, all the fans coming in now, and yeah, it's, I think the club's getting slowly getting to the right place. Right, well, it's been nice going through the emails, just me and your good selves. But uh, if I'm going to tackle the headlines and if I'm going to tackle the transfer rumours, then I'm going to need a guest. And I don't know whether you've noticed, but the internet is a thing. And on that internet, there's been a website called The Line of Vienna. And for donkey's years, it churned out fans' articles on Wanderers, not to mention a podcast which sits alongside the buff on the very top table of Bolton Wanderers podcasts. I've been on it myself. Uh, but then it stopped, or I mean, it slowed down. Um, but now, 12 months later, it's triumphantly returning. And I've got one of the LOV lads on with me now. Mr. Ed Skelly, Ed, how are you doing, pal? I'm really good, Mark. How are you doing? Yes, all the better for seeing a world with uh, with LOV churning out content again. What can we expect, mate? Come on, bring on the big guns. Uh, same as what you've expected from LOV for years. A little bit of uh, sarcastic humour in our articles, nice podcasts. Hopefully uh, people will read it. Uh, probably not as much as we used to because we've gone independent now. But if anyone likes to read and enjoy and listen to Andre's content, then uh, LOV is the place to go. It's... It, the, the, the thing is, the thing is, I mean, there's there's been uh, there's been cycles of LOV. I think there was a, there was a time where oh, potentially it it was right against the grain and right near the knuckle. Then maybe maybe you guys matured a little bit and it was slightly more you know different type of content. Can we expect grown up content now? You guys you guys are getting old. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm nearly thirty anyway, so I I consider that old. Um, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, we're always looking for new contributors and new ideas and, and stuff like that. So if anybody has a fresh idea or a fresh take on, on what LOV wants to be or should be in this current climate. I mean, when we hit our pump a few years ago, the club was going under some tough times and maybe that was when people were reading it more. And then obviously the last couple of years have been really good under Ian Everett and Football Ventures. So if people really love Wanderers and love writing and talking about Wanderers and want to get involved, then uh, get in touch. It's uh, sometimes I, I certainly find in my job that when things are going bad, it's it's actually sometimes easier to write because things kind of hit you in the face. There's a lot of stuff that people are complaining about, so obviously you can always kind of dovetail off the back of that. When things are going right, it's sometimes harder to find content, and I don't know that you guys are going to find that out. I don't know. 
It may be so, yeah, because it, like you say, it probably was easier to write about the bad times a few years ago because it would maybe sometimes it's easy to complain about stuff going on the pitch or stuff that was happening in the background with the owners. And obviously, we had a hand in helping with the protest a few years ago. Absolutely. So, so maybe, yeah, in that case, it was easier. Um, maybe I don't know, but it's it's going to be nice actually writing about wins and progressive football and other stuff like that, and actually being positive for once because I think I love you got a. A reputation for it being a little negative, but maybe that was because of cause and effect of the what was happening on and off the pitch. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was warranted personally. I think, you know, you're right as fans, you are fans. That's exactly that. As long as you, as long as you accept that, as long it's same with the podcast. You know, as long as you accept that you are talking because you know this is a this is a pub table table conversation. This is this is Bolton Wanderers fans chewing the fat with each other. It's not uh, it's it's not the Sunday supplement. You're not you're not sat down there as as professional journalists or anything like that you, you're basically speaking from the uh from the cojones basically aren't you yeah exactly yeah we're fans at heart we, we love the club and you know it can get heated about it for most people including us it's our lives it's it's you know our week could depend on whether if one just win or lose in our moods and my girlfriend will tell you i'm a, I'm a miserable son if we don't win the <laughs> all week so yeah it can get heated and we, we we just at the end of the day yeah we are fans we're not professionals and we have opinions and sometimes we go over the line with that but now that we're actually playing really good football it's going to be really fun getting involved with this it's going to be uh there's going to be a good book I think one day when you look back on the the fun times and some of the uh, some of the grief that has been spread, some of, some of it's gone your way, and it's uh, <laughs> there was some there were some very happy times when under previous owners, let's say when when uh, I mean I bet you never thought you'd you'd end up quite in the middle of it all as as you did do at the time. No, definitely not. No. Uh... <laughs> Uh, didn't didn't imagine uh, having to organise a protest. Uh, didn't imagine getting John McGinley involved because he'd been barred from the stadium. Uh, it was a really weird time. Didn't imagine having Will and Ian go to court and do podcasts about what happened in court that day. It was a, a real bizarre time. Um, so now it's just nice that the club's on a good foot. You, you see what's happening with the Wanderers bond, with what's going on the pitch with Ian Everett and um, Chris Markham doing recruitment this summer. It's just a really nice time to be a Wanderers fan and it's good to be away from the court visits as well you know and stuff like that so it's really nice just to be a positive club yeah i can do without the court visits i have to say that uh, that that was uh, that was a long old period in bolton history but let's talk about some uh, well let's start actually I, I, i'm gonna i'm gonna start with transfer rumors one of the things that i do enjoy listening um on lov pod particularly but uh, when a transfer rumor comes up you guys are very very quick on the, off the mark you you get hold of it you'll get it out there and and it's it's always interesting seeing what the initial reactions like. I always find that fascinating. Whether you know people just jump on a transfer or, or and say it's fan- fantastic, or whether or not you'll get the naysayers out. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the tables on you, mate, and look at some transfer rumours that have cropped up this week, and I want your opinions. Go for it.
Okay, it has. Finally, the rumour mill has finally kicked into gear this week. Um, we've seen a few players linked with Wanderers, and uh, I'm I'm gonna. I'm going to step back a little bit from my kind of journalistic point of view. I'm not going to tell you whether they are completely right or completely wrong, but I do want to get your take on it as a Wanderers fan. Ed. Um, we're going to start with Fancati uh, fan Darbo, rather, um, the, the man who missed the penalty in the playoff final for Coventry City. Very cruelly released a couple of days later, uh, a right wing back. Arguably, the man that would step into Connor Bradley's shoes. How does that one take you? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting one. Uh, I think he would definitely kind of suit the style of play that Ian Avan has. And like you said, we need somebody who's going to replace Connor Bradley because he had such a fantastic season. Mm. I feel like last, maybe last year when he signed, people wanted Marlon Fossey, wanted someone with more experience, but Bradley hit the ground running and far exceeded, uh, exceeded anyone's expectations, really. <laughs> So he's going to be a really hard player to replace. But I think Dabo could be that person. Whether or not we can beat, I think it's Derby who have been linked as well. Yeah. And obviously they're going to have a similar budget to us or maybe a slightly larger one. Um, same as like the likes of Blackpool maybe or other teams who, who are probably looking in the same ballpark as players. So it'd be a real interesting one. If I think it'd be a coup as well because he was involved in that team that nearly went to the Premier League. If we could sign somebody like him, he's obviously got experience, um, obviously in his late 20s, I believe. Um, so he, he knows the league well. He's got out of this league before. He's played against us a few times, knows what our club's about. So if we can get that one over the line, I think that'd be really interesting. But we also need maybe a backup as well, because I, I don't know if Kieran Sadlier has an, a future at the club. I don't know if he'll go back to Orion. I don't know if he wants to play wing back. And I think there's some other interesting players out there on freeze who may, Ian Everett may take a chance on the likes of Luke Matheson, who was such a fantastic uh, youth player at Rochdale, kind of shot to prominence when he was like 16, 17. It's not worked out at Wolves. He now finds himself as a free agent. And somebody like that could pair really well with Darbo, where you've got the, the up-and-coming player and the experienced player as the one and two. And maybe Matheson could come in and be that support and maybe progress over the years and then take over if uh, should Dabo leave oh I'm, I'm speculating should he sign in the first place but if we could sign two players like that I think that'd be really interesting yeah I'm with you I, I do think they need to I think a lot of people have said Gethin Jones can play there which is true but I think he's he's found his home really as the the kind of the right side centre half mm -hmm. um, you know arguably you could get Owen Toll in there if, if he were to play right wing back but I do think Bolton will look for those two and I think it's interesting that they're looking at a slightly more experienced option as well with Bradley. I think with both the goalkeeper and with uh, whoever comes in as a, a right wing back, the idea of coming in and stepping into those big boots is a big one. And they're going to get comparisons. Whether they like it or not, they're going to get those comparisons. Mm -hmm. um, so I think you do need somebody who's mentally strong. And Darbo has got a bit of experience behind him. I like that. I certainly like the idea of Luke Matheson. Um, haven't seen much of him in recent years, but I do remember him breaking through at Rochdale. Technically a very, very good player indeed. Um, Keith Hill used to sing all sorts of praises for him. So uh, hopefully um, hopefully that uh, that sparks memory. Evo, if you're listening, uh, Luke Matheson might be worth a, a little look, by the way. Um, one player who I am pretty sure um, Wanderers have had a little sniff around is also a Boltonian, uh, Ollie Norburn of Peterborough United. Surprisingly transfer listed I think uh, he's 30 years old central midfielder 
can play in pretty much any one of those midfield roles, including further forward. We're lacking a bit of experience as far as was, uh, Kieran Lee leaving. He does tick a lot of boxes for me, Oli Norburn. How about you, Ed? Yeah, same for me. Yeah, he, I think he brings that experience that, like you say, Lee, um, there's a hole where Lee's left and we need that kind of experience in the midfield. He's been a captain at Peterborough. Um, like you said, it is a little surprising that he's up for sale, but that seems to be a transfer policy when a player gets into the last year of their contract. They seem to try and just recoup any kind of money they can. What kind of fee they'll be expecting to receive, I don't know. They, was it £350,000 they paid for him a few years ago? So it'd be interesting to see what they're expecting to get. I know we've apparently inquired, or that's what Barry Fry suggested, along with Blackpool and Wigan, but obviously Wigan's situation is different, whether or not they're going to be ready to sign players because the takeover only happened yesterday as we're recording. So that remains to be seen. But you'd think a Boltonian lad is expressed an interest before, I think, of playing for the club and this pride of maybe playing in his hometown. So that would be really great to get a Boltonian back into the team. Um, because we've not really had one that's broken through last few years. Sadly, Adam Senior's moved on and done fantastically well and got a deal with Halifax. So it'd be really great to actually have a Boltonian playing in the team, someone with real leadership who could slot into that midfield, play alongside the likes of Sheehan, Dempsey, Morley, and uh, bring a real leadership to the team that um, maybe we'll need this season. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I have absolutely no doubt whatsoever that Ollie would, uh, would run back up here to play for Bolton Wanderers. Um, just a question mark maybe on the, the price tag and also our friends down the road at Wigan who are going to be in an absolute rush to assemble a squad and one wonders now that the takeover has happened and that theoretically the bills are being cleared just how quickly they will look to splash uh, any cash basically expect Wigan to be tagged on to pretty much every single player that Bolton look at from here on in that's just the way it works um, okay, we'll move on. And this week, two goalkeepers uh, linked with the club. Um, maybe a, a slightly different period to their career, but we'll start with the older one, and that's Toby Savin, uh, Accrington Stanley goalkeeper, a player who actually kept James Trafford out of the team when James Trafford was on loan there. He has fallen out of favour towards the end of the season under Joel Coleman, not the first player to have rumoured to have fallen out with him. Um, I'm sure Dion Charles will probably empathise on that on that front. It looks like a very similar situation, um, but a, a, he's a keeper that I've always kind of looked at and thought, oh yeah, I could, I could see him playing for Bolton in terms of he's he's good with his feet and his his distribution's good. Where do you stand on it? Yeah, he's uh, like you said, he's a player who's fallen out with John Coleman, um, much like Dion Charles, probably because he has those higher aspirations and he wants a better contract or a better move away. Because he has been linked, was it to Spurs? I think in another Premier League team in the last well, yeah. in Southampton, yeah, in the last couple of years. So clearly, the um, people are seeing something in him. He's only still relatively young as well. He's only in his early twenties, so it'd definitely be a, a really good option, I think, to pick up um, because we do need two solid goalkeepers. Obviously, Joel Dixon has left as well as Trafford, and Dixon wasn't much favoured by the fans, and I think to say maybe the least, to say yeah. The least. Sometimes slightly unfairly, I believe. I think he became a scapegoat when he played. I don't think it was all on his shoulders. Obviously, he made some catastrophic mistakes, like that game at Hartlepool, um, or the game at home to Villa last season. I think there was a goal where it just kind of seemed to roll into the net and he went the other way. 
but sometimes I think he was treated a little harshly. But yeah, we do need two really good goalkeepers to kind of compete with each other, say one gets injured. Uh, Beadle's an interesting one as well, um, because I think there's going to be a lot of comparisons to James Trafford if we do sign him on loan, um, understandably, because it's a young goalkeeper from the Premier League team who's had a loan at another uh, Northwest club, done fairly well, then uh, had, a, had a bad injury, had to leave. So it'd be really interesting to see that dynamic between Savin and Beadle if we did manage to get both, if those are the two goalkeepers in question that we are going to go after, who gets the number one jersey. And it'd be really interesting to have two players like that who we don't know is the, de- the determined number one at this moment in time, who could compete with each other and could switch if needs be. It always felt like Trafford was the definitive number one and Dixon was just not good enough to be a number two. So it'd be interesting to that dynamic, uh, dynamic say, like when we had uh, Andy Lonergan and um, Adam Bogdan, I forget his name then, um, years ago, or Mark Howard and Ben Amos That's to the, go. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, Alec. 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 Oh, you Ben Alec. Yeah, yeah. Alec, sorry, and uh, yeah. Mark Howard, two goalkeepers um, in those period who could compete with each other and did play a lot of games and did switch around so it'd be interesting to have two goalkeepers kind of on a similar quality level who could can compete for that jersey yeah no I'm with you on that one I mean James Beadle uh, to those who don't know is an England youth international plays for Brighton spent some time on loan at Crewe last season um, and uh, you know he, he, he impressed at Crewe he's clearly got something about him but he only had a dozen games so he's kind of sat in the same uh, boat as uh, as Traff um, so, or a trough when he arrived. Can they pull another rabbit out the hat in the same way? We shall see. Um, but uh, yeah, um, there's certainly certainly some interest there by all accounts, um, and certainly Brighton are looking at uh, sending him back out um, on loan this season. So it will be interesting to see what happens there. I, I've got to be honest, I've been waiting for a link or or, or to hear something encouraging about Halagkius at Ipswich. Yeah, I know he fell like sort of to number two last season, but he was the man who Bolton originally targeted before Corellin, in fact, and really wanted him. Missed out on the at the time to Salford, and I just wondered whether or not he would end up surfacing again uh, when they're looking for two keepers. Keep your eye out. If anybody does it, see anything, then let me know. Um, the last one um, on the uh, on the old transfer rumor is one that's been knocking about for a while, but we've had a bit of an update. Lee Bonis, uh, a striker over in Northern Ireland, who's attracted quite a lot of attention. Um, quite a lot of clubs looking at him as well. Apparently, it's going to cost £350,000 to sign him this summer, which is quite a lot of money for a young man with, uh, you know, limited experience, but he clearly knows where the, the back of the, uh, the net is. I mean, with this one, Ed, I, we know that Ian Everett's going to have a bigger budget this season because he said so. We know that Football Ventures and the board want to push for automatic promotion. They're talking very big about what money might be available, the fact that they've got this fully funded thing plus the bond, etc., etc. So there's going to be funds available. Do you then use those funds to sign untested players and hope you can bring them on? Or would you be more inclined to go for the tried and tested? And we're talking about the, uh, I don't let's say, for example, Alfie Mays or the Connors, uh, the Cole Stocktons of this world. I think really you've got to go for both if you're going to, if, if the budget is there, to be honest, because yeah. if you look at Owen Toll last season, he, he came on leaps and bounds, but it took until 
November, December to get him into the team because he had to get up to pace with how he never wanted to play the style of play in the English game. So he didn't want to rush him into it. And I feel like if we did sign someone like Lee Bonis, it'd be the same kind of situation. So we can't really rely too early on a player like that. I know we do have uh, Bod Varsin and Charles and Jerome um, currently in the team. Um, who could do, who obviously have done a job and will do a job this season, but can we afford to splash out money on a player who it could take three or four months to get up to speed? Um, I'd, I'd be all for it because the, obviously the Irish market's been good for us for the last year with the likes at all and, and Owen Doyle's doing his scouting mission out there for us and there obviously are players out there and you've seen it with other teams who have had really good careers in the last few years and been really successful for the Irish leagues. But whether or not we're willing to spend the kind of money that we spent on Dion Charles on a player who might not get into the team immediately, maybe Ian Everett goes for that more experienced player, like in, like you said, like an Alfie Mayer or Cole Stockton, who has played in this league, who has scored goals. Even Johnson Clark Harris, I don't think we'd necessarily have the budget for the kind of money that Peterborough would, would want, but somebody like that who has scored 20-odd goals in multiple seasons and been the, the spearhead for Peterborough in their promotion campaign a couple of years ago, somebody like that who has plenty of experience scoring goals would be the safer option and would be a bigger success quicker, you'd have to assume. So whether or not Bonis would be a player who could get up to speed quickly remains to be seen. But if it's the same situation as Owen Toll, even if it's going to take his time build, like building him into the team, and it's up to Everton Markham if we do have that time to let him settle. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think with with uh, Johnson Clark Harris, uh, for me, you, you'd have to change the the style of play a bit too much for him to work. And mm-hmm. also, I don't see Johnson Clark Harris being the type of guy who would would rotate. That's clearly going to be the way that that he never plays it. He, you know, he likes to play players for X amount of time, get them in, get them out, you know, bring the substitutes on, keep that kind of high energy level up. Johnson Clark Harris has never been that player for me, so I, I just don't see them really getting on board with that one. Um, but uh, it, there are there are other options out there. There are plenty of other options. Strikers are always the most expensive ones, and that's going to take up the most of the budget, if indeed that's what he feels he needs. Um, I'm going to move seamlessly into headlines... Because the first, the first headline that we've got is, is straight away up about uh, John Dalibod Varson signing a new contract, and obviously has a, a big impact on the on what Bolton do this summer. I think had he turned down a one-year deal, Bolton definitely would have been in the market for somebody, um, uh, you know, experienced, uh, you know, somebody maybe with a bit more physicality. I think now they've got Bod Varson on board, even though it's only for a year. I think it maybe changes uh, the, the the transfer tax slightly. Uh, were you surprised at all just to see him sign for one year? Is that is that a nod to the the fact that he he hasn't really stayed fit? It it might be that might be the case, yeah, and it might be that um, if we do get promoted, they see him not as an option in the championship, even though he does have a lot of experience. I think probably is more on the fact that he has had these injury problems, unfortunately, because uh, he is a really talented player, and I think he he arguably probably has the best uh, partnership with Charles up front. I think we saw that in, in little spells last season before he had his injuries, unfortunately. So it is nice to see him back. Uh, I can understand why it is a one-year deal. 
Um, but hopefully he can have a successful season and he can help uh, push for promotion. £4.5 million has been raised by this Bolton Wanderers bond. Uh, a few eyebrows raised, potentially, um, that, that it's come about. There's a few people who see it as a, a gamble, if you will, if you'll excuse a bit of a blunt word. Um, I don't know. I don't know where I stand on it, to be honest with you. I, I'm, I'm, happy, uh, I'm happy reporting that it's happened, and, and I like the idea that it's going to be used, this sort of money is going to be used for, for big projects to, to kind of accelerate things at Bolton. Um, is it a gamble in your eyes, you think? I don't know, to be honest. It, it's, a, it's a new initiative. Um, it's fantastic that so much money has been raised. It's great that um, there's a set plan out for where it's going to go. Improvements on the training ground, partly towards the playing squad. Improvements in connectivity in the stadium, which I think a lot of people have been uh, clamouring for for the last few yep. years. Especially, like, a lot of people don't have phone signal in that stadium. So it'd be, it'd be fantastic. Um, if, if, if you're able to check the scores or you're able to message your mate and stuff like that in the stadium obviously it's not too pressing when you're watching football but it is a nice thing that they're thinking about and improving um, it is it, obviously if you can afford to buy into it it's fantastic it's a big £500 minimum is a big ask for a lot of fans whether or not it proves to be a success I'm sure it will be I'm sure Neil Hart I'm sure Sharon they've had a, a discussion about it I'm sure it's been thoroughly uh, thought through and it's interesting to see where the money will go and it's interesting to see how it will progress, whether it'll be another thing that they do in the future. I know other clubs have done it in the past, they'll add to QPR. So it'll just be interesting to see where they go with it. A lot of these things tend to be geared towards what what's referred to as capital expenditures. So, you know, an academy building or a new pitch or a training base or, or uh, I think Peterborough built us or was supposed to be building a, a social club with it. It's rare, I certainly haven't seen any examples of it, but it's very rare for a club to publicise that some of this money is going to go on the playing squad. Now, that's where the kind of the gambling aspect comes on, because there is no surefire way of spending money on players that, you know, is, is guaranteed to get you a return. If there was, then... You know, <laughs> whoever found that formula would be top of the Premier League at the minute. Um, bottom line is there is always going to be risk attached to signings, and it's it, that's the that's the only bit of it really that that surprises me. Um, obviously, football ventures have got to have the wherewithal to be able to honour this, and the uh, the financial authorities and the, the financial company they've they've kind of linked up with for this have obviously seen their business plan. And they are happy that that is the case. So that is that's one thing. But just the idea that some of this money is going towards players it doesn't make me feel uneasy, but it just makes me feel a little bit nervous as to to what might happen. Yeah, it could be a, a big gamble, um, especially seeing as Wanderers haven't been had that money to buy players in the last few years. So it's definitely seen with a lot of um, uh, scepticism um, from fans seeing as we haven't been able to spend money and, and it's only been a handful of players that we've actually spent big money on. In the last couple of years, I think Dion Charles has been the biggest fee we've spent since uh, maybe Vic, me. Vic, Victor's probably slightly... Oh, Vic, and, and, yeah, and Adebayeju, of course, yeah. Um, so only those two in like the last five, six years prior to maybe Josh McGuinness, I think, was the, the biggest before that and before we went into all the money troubles. 
No. <laughs> yeah, better to leave that away. But yeah, so it's gonna be like it is a gamble because no player, um, you know, there could be injuries, there could be um, spells of um, poor performances on the pitch that decrease their value. But hopefully they thought it through. Hopefully it's going to be more on the facilities, more on the connectivity side, improving the stadium, improving the the academy, the training pitch. And it's going to be less on the playing staff. But it's nice that they're honest, that they've considered using it for the playing staff. But like you said, it is a gamble. No player, you can't predict the future. You can't predict that such a player is going to be a, a huge roaring success and we're going to make a vast profit on him because... Historically, in the last few years, Wanderers haven't made a huge profit on players. Mm. Uh, so it is, like you say, it's a huge gamble and time will tell whether or not how much of the bond money actually goes on a player and whether or not they can stay fit, they can stay in form and they prove to be somebody who can either stay at the club or can be moved on with a huge profit that'll give the people who've invested their money back. Yeah, yeah. No, it'll be interesting. I think it does put a little bit of pressure on anybody that you never pays money for this summer um, but look I would rather be in that position paying money for players than, than shopping in bargain bins as we have done uh, many times in the past uh, one guy who definitely did turn out to be a bargain uh, or so far was Owen Toll um, and he's picked up an injury playing well training with Northern Ireland he's not going to be on international duty for their friendlies against Denmark and Kazakhstan in uh, over the over the weekend um, real shame for him because I know I know personally he was really looking forward to that um, and possibly an ill time one because you know he might well dig now into the start of the pre-season just puts him that little bit behind it's unfortunate yeah and it's it's a similar situation to last season how he was brought in and had to wait for his chance for a few months hopefully um, he does get most of a pre-season in and it doesn't affect him too much because he was a huge player in that second half of the season definitely He's someone who's vastly improved. He's someone who's become integral to the team on that right-hand side of the back three. So, fingers crossed, um, he can get a, a pre-season in. It's not a too drastic an injury. And stepping away from international duty, um, he can rest up and hopefully be involved in pre-season. Does he get in ahead of Jones for you if, if all is fit? I, I, I think so, yeah. I think... Um, it's a blessing and a curse for Jones that he's so versatile, to be honest, um, because he can play, like you mentioned earlier, he can play at wing-back, he can play on a right-hand side of the centre-half, he can play right-back if ever, ever decides to go back to a back four. Uh, he does have that experience. He is a, a Obviously, he's our vice-captain, he's a leader on the pitch, but I think at this moment in time, I think Tull just slightly suits the back three more. I think he, he's, his performance has been slightly higher than Geffen's in the last few months. But obviously it's nice to have that option, say if Toll is out longer than expected and he doesn't get up to speed in pre-season, Jones is more than capable of being in that back three place. He obviously hopes to have leaders on the pitch. So, But for me, at this moment in time, if both are fully fit, I'd go for Toll. Last headline, and uh, well, I mean, it's something for next week. The fixtures, we'll know by this time next week as we're sat here recording what Bolton Wanderers season will look like. It is the day in the Isles household that we look forward to more than any other because it basically means I can map out my life for the next 12 months or so. Um, as as a fan, Ed, what 
do you want from an opening day fixture? Would you rather get one of the big trips out of the way, or do you want a, a packed house, a home, a home gate against uh, a Wigan or something like that? Oh yeah, that'd be great, that wouldn't it? A home match against Wigan, sun shining, uh, away ends packed, home ends packed. That'd be fantastic. And the fact they haven't managed to sign a squad yet, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that we'd have a huge advantage there. Yeah, I think I think this. It's it's great. I think especially that MK Dons game a couple of years ago. I know it wasn't. It was the first home game of the season. It wasn't the first game of the season, but because we'd had a whole year of missing football, that was just so fantastic, and it was such a spectacle. Being a three three draw, and we got to see Sheehan score a, a fantastic free kick, and Baptiste try his very best to miss that uh, chance at the last minute. <laughs> Thankfully, he scored. But yeah, games like that, and. Um, like I always think back to like the likes of Charlton at home in 2004-5 when JJ, it was JJ's birthday and him and uh, Henrik Pedersen both got a brace and he scored and JJ scored that fantastic free kick. Or Spurs at home when Campo drilled it in 145 yards past Paul Robinson. Those games are always special, especially when the sun's shining and it's a packed stadium. So yeah, a really nice... Uh, big friendly, a big uh, big sorry, big rival game at home. First game of the season be fantastic. Uh, it'd also be great if it was one of the promoted teams um, who I've, I've selfishly who I haven't been to um, visit yet. Um, Have you done Leighton Orient? I've not. No, I didn't do Brisbane Road. Um, I know a couple of people in lockdown uh, booked Airbnbs. Um, I think some fans tried sneaking into the stadium for that one. Um, fortunately, I didn't think of that because that was a bad day for the club all around. <laughs> I think say, to have wasted any any sort of money trying to uh, trying to sneak into that game would have just been just horrific. Yeah, just to see Connor Wilkinson score against us, fantastic. Um, but yeah, that'd be that'd be a brilliant one like that because the Wimbledon game um, was special a couple of years ago because that obviously that was their first game at the stadium and that was another big spectacle game where realistically we should have won unfortunately didn't but again I don't think people cared because they were just back watching football and the sun was shining and we you know we saw Dapple do the JJ celebration that was a fantastic day so a game like that where it's a new ground for a lot of fans I think that'd be good uh, another spectacle home game where if we can get a convincing win that'd be good too yeah no I also remember Wimbledon at the old Kings Meadow as well where Bolton hadn't won away from home for about 18 months and they managed to scrap. I think it was Liam Trotter scored. Yeah, uh, that was. I think that was opening day. It was very, very close to opening day, if not. Um, no, there's been some. There's always some magic attached to, to the first game. Um, likewise, your Boxing Day and your, your New Year's Day, or or, or nearest damn it. But uh, no, you have to play everybody at some stage. So I suppose it doesn't matter. I like to get a big trip out of the way. I've got to be honest. Purely selfishly speaking, I like to get the big long trips out of the way whilst the sun's shining. And not have too many, uh, you know, Exeter aways in the middle of January or anything like that. That just does not, because I have to go to them. This is the problem. I don't have any choice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'll take Exeter away on the opening day of the season. Sounds sounds glorious. <laughs> right. Okay. That's all we do have time for this week. Uh, this time. Next week, we'll know exactly how the season maps out. That is exciting. That is the first big day of pre-season when you know where you're going to be. You start booking those train tickets and hotels. And, uh, well, we might even bring out a special uh, special buff next week uh, because uh, Lord Henry is back from his travels um, around the world in 80 days or whatever he's trying to do. I can't remember now. Um, but a big thanks to Ed for joining in this week. If you enjoyed it, Ed. 
Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for, for having me. Yeah, and uh, great to see LOV back. Make sure you uh, tune in next Friday. We'll be back again. Henry will be back from his holes. I've been Mark Isles. I've been Ed Skelly. And this has been The Buff.